Due to the mature content of this program, listener's discretion is advised. Thanks for tuning back into the Depth of Darkness, the podcast that dives deep into all things dark and wrong in this world. We're your hosts. I'm Mandy. And I'm retired Major Hugh Jass. In your face. (laughs) All right. So today, judging by the title, you probably already know, we're going to be talking about UFOs. I'm sure we all know what those are. I say that every single time, but I'm going to say it again. We always know what we're talking about. Um, Basically, what a UFO is, it stands for an unidentified flying object. And the definition for it is any aerial phenomenon that cannot immediately be identified. So a little history behind UFOs and how it coined that term. According to the good old Wikipedia, the term UFO was coined by the USA Air Force back in 1953 and it was to serve as a catch-all term for any reports of aerial sightings that could not be readily identified or explained. Obviously, they, more than anybody, would probably see weird things in the sky being, you know, aviation. <laughs> um, the term, yeah, the term UFO represented any airborne object, which by performance, aerodynamic characteristics, or unusual features, it did not conform to any presently known aircraft or missile type, or that could not be positively identified as a familiar object. So that, in the long run, is basically what a UFO is and how it came to be. The term UFO itself, as well as sightings of them, became increasingly widespread throughout the 1950s. That's actually where it kind of picked up, you know, pace with UFO sightings and reports of it. Some other terms used prior to the formation of the acronym UFO Uh, Here's some of the terms used prior to that, was flying flapjack, flying disc, which is obviously, a lot of these are still used today, Um, unexplained flying disc, and the very commonly still used, an unidentifiable object. That one's very broad, but it's still used. Um, The term flying saucer gained notoriety in 1947 when a civilian pilot by the name of Kenneth Arnold reported a sighting of nine unidentifiable flying objects near Mount Rainier. So that's when that term became most popular, where he all at once saw nine different, you know, UFOs around Mount Rainier. So apparently he said that term and it caught on and now it's popular. As we know today, the term UFO came to be used to refer to claims of alien spacecraft sightings and other unidentifiable phenomena. So more often than not, when we say UFO, people think of aliens. Whether or not that's actually what they are, that's up for debate, but we'll we'll cover that more with what we're going to discuss. So, Right. I also wanted to yeah. interject and just say that uh, during World War II, they used to call them Foo Fighters, and Foo Fighters. Uh, they would spot them during bombing runs, and fighter pilots would see them also out there mm-hmm. in the uh, atmosphere somewhere, and... Uh, just wanted to mention that. That's a famous one also. Cool. Little nugget of information. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, oh, yeah. According to the History Channel, in an article discussing the top five most credible and recent UFO sightings, that's where I got my information. So, obviously, it's fact. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. 
it was revealed that there is a secret, but not obviously not so secret anymore, program called the AATIP, ATIP, or the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. So this was previously a secret uh, program funded by the government that was basically there to investigate reported UFOs across the time span of 2007 through 2012. So anytime I say ATIP, that's what it is, the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. So keep that in the back of your mind for what I'm going to talk about soon. Um, so here are the <laughs> here are the five most notable sightings that have come to surface alongside the discovery of ATIP. So for starters, in 2001, on July 14th, there were several drivers on the New Jersey Turnpike who stopped to gaze up in shock and admiration at the odd orange and yellow lights taking on a V formation above the Arthur Kill Waterway between Staten Island, New York, and Carter, Carteret, Carteret. New Jersey. Carteret, New Jersey. So mm-hmm. that's number one, which I thought was really cool because a bunch of people saw it at the same time. It wasn't just one sighting or a few people. It was a lot of people. They stopped on the right. busy highway to gaze up at the sky at something abnormal, something that you know they, they can't identify. Okay, we'll deal with, in 2004, there was an encounter with the USS Nimitz aircraft carrier. I guess, actually, it was a part of the Nimitz carrier strike group, and it was actually the USS Princeton that spotted uh, on radar 100 miles off the coast of San Diego. Uh, For two weeks, the crew had been tracking objects that appeared at 80,000 feet and then would plummet to hover right above the Pacific Ocean. When two F-A-18F fighter jets from the aircraft carrier Nimitz arrived in the area, they first saw what appeared to be churning water with a shadow of an oval shape underneath the surface. Then in a few moments, a white tic-tac-shaped object appeared above the water. It had no visible markings to indicate an engine, wings, or windows, and an infrared monitors didn't reveal any exhaust. Uh, Commander David Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Jim Slate of the Strike Fighter Squadron 41 attempted to intercept the craft but were but it accelerated away reappearing on radar 60 miles away it moved three times the speed of sound and more than twice the speed of the fighter jets okay that's a weird flying flying tic tac you know what that makes me think of like that makes flying me think tic-tac. <laughs> yeah it makes me think of the movie that came out a few years back called Arrival what is that girl's name who was in it she's got red hair that narrows it down. The hell was Amy her Adams? Maybe. Maybe. She's yeah. the one in the... Um, she plays uh, Lois Lane in the Superman movies. Maybe mm, that's who not it is. Sure about that's, that. probably who it, that's probably who it is. Yeah. Um, she was in American Hustle. That was Amy Adams. Hmm. I don't know if I've seen that movie. She's also in Catch Me If You Can. Mm, it probably was her. I'm not good with names. Right. I'm good with faces, but not names. Um, but there was a movie that came out, and that's kind of what it looked like. Made me think of it for okay. some reason. And then again, I could be mistaken because I haven't seen that movie in a while either. <laughs> I could be just, you know, high, high on life. All right. The next one, uh, the next sighting is a little too close for comfort because it actually occurred at the O'Hare Airport here in Chicago. If you haven't noticed by now, I am from Chicago. Hello. You're back. <laughs> nice to nice to meet you. Um, so on November 17th in 2006, 
flight 446 was ready to depart O'Hare International Airport, heading to North Carolina. One of the United Airlines employees on the tarmac noticed a dark gray metallic craft hovering over gate C-17. Additionally, another 11 people, so it was including employees of the the airlines, United Airlines, as well as uh, passengers, a combination of people saw the same thing at the same time, and it was spotted around 4.15 p.m. That's very terrifying. Um, They all reported that it hovered for about five minutes before shooting upwards, breaking a noticeable hole in the clouds. Can you imagine just getting ready to be on your flight or even being on a flight and seeing that, like, pass you by? I'd probably be Well, as you know, I I can't personally imagine that that since I don't fly anymore, but... uh, Yeah, I don't like flying. I'm sure people know by now we don't like flying. No. <laughs> we said it in many And I'll episodes. tell you something. O'Hare was a uh, a situation for me. I used to work at a trucking company right near the edge of O'Hare Field. And uh, one night I was out there, right around this, this particular date that you just mentioned, which was right around the beginning of November. And uh, mm-hmm. I was out there one night, then two in the morning. I was getting off work. And uh, I saw like an illuminated disc, looked like a frisbee almost, up in low-lying clouds. You know, the sky was kind of light for some reason, uh, and I could see pretty plainly the clouds, and then also this disc in the clouds. And it it looked to me, by the way it was uh, maneuvering, that there might have been a drunk pilot involved here. Uh, <laughs> Probably. It, it didn't seem like an alien craft. It seemed like some sort of Air Force craft and, you know, some guy getting his drunk on. That's all I know for sure, though. And uh, <laughs> I kind of laughed about it, got in my car and drove away. And yeah. maybe two weeks two weeks after that, I was driving down a road that borders the airport uh, along the western edge. I was driving in to my plant in my truck and uh, something streaked overhead <laughs> following the road it seemed like it was going like 10,000 miles an hour. Just, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell that was, but, you know, that didn't seem human. But uh, mm. those were two of my four instances of personal uh, adventures with UFOs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interject them in with the, with the five credible sources, which it's actually really interesting hearing personal experiences about this stuff. I've personally never experienced any UFO sightings on my end, but it would be Mm -hmm. cool to see one, you know, just to get that kind of perspective. Because on this side, I'm like, is it really a spacecraft? Is it just, you know, some sort of... Well, three out of of four of my experiences happened in the Chicago area. Uh, Only one of them, (laughs) only one of them happened out here in New Mexico, when this mm-hmm. place is like chock full of sightings, they happen all yeah. the time. So that's cool. very creepy. For ever since Roswell in 1947, you know people see them all the time. So uh, this yeah. next story, we had another story in a place not too far from me, Stevensville, Texas, mostly known for its dairy farms. In the mm-hmm. uh, evening of January 8th, 2000, 2008. Dozens of its residents viewed something unique in the sky. Citizens reported seeing white lights above Highway 67 
first in a single horizontal arc and then in a vertical parallel lines. A local pilot, Steve Allen, estimated that the strobe lights spanned about a mile long and a half mile wide, traveling about 3,000 miles per hour. No sound huh. was reported. Witnesses believe the event was reminiscent of the Phoenix light sightings of 1997. While the U.S. Air Force revealed weeks later that F-18s were flying in the Brownwood military operating areas just south of Stevensville, many townspeople didn't buy that explanation, believing that what they saw was too technologically advanced for current human abilities. And, you know, for some reason, the Air Force has always been kind of quick to, you know, poo-poo anybody's claim of sighting a UFO. For some reason, yeah, they just write it off as, uh, yeah. oh, it was. I mean, uh, it yeah. <laughs> too many people have seen it, so. Right. All righty then. That's the end of that story. Right. Going on to my last story here. All right. So, in a sighting that occurred in 2015, uh, it was leaked alongside the news of the secret program ATIP. Remember that? Do you remember it? I discussed it earlier. Do I need to go over it again? All right. Advanced A-tip. Aviation Threat Identification Program. That's right. <laughs> Good job. We have a listener. All right. That's so right. around the same time that the program was basically exposed, people found out about it. There was a video that revealed an encounter between an FA-18 Super Hornet and an unidentified flying vehicle. Uh, it was seen along the East Coast on a Raytheon Advanced Targeting Ford-looking infrared pod. That's a mouthful. The abbreviation for that is A-T-F-L-I-R, Atler Pod. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's what the article said, so we're going to go with Some it. Sort of ra- radar tracking device. Uh. Yeah, yeah, where it keeps track of this stuff. Um, and it was described as a fast-moving white oval, about 45 feet long, and had no wings or, exa- or exhaust plume. So very similar to the one you mentioned that looked like a Tic Tac, where it didn't have any you know, right. exhaust or anything coming out of it. So that seems like a common theme, which those ones could possibly actually be alien aircraft. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, the pilots of the, the Atchler pod tracked the object at 25,000 feet above the Atlantic Ocean. As it flew away, it simulated... I can't say that word. Simultaneously? Yes. I speak good. It simultaneously <laughs> rotated on its axis. So as it was moving super fast, it was twirling around in a circle, like a ballerina. Yeah. Which would kill uh, humans. Yeah. Yeah. It was just spinning super fast. Yeah. Nothing weird about that at all. Um, creepy part is no additional information or explanation of the UFA, UFO have emerged. So no additional information has been provided. I don't even know if they looked into it further. That one sounds a little creepy, though, because it was moving so fast and in such a weird way. You know, I mean, there could be an explanation for it. Who knows? But I don't know. That one just gave me the creeps, especially the, the yeah, Epsler pod. That's a good, that's a good one. That's a, that's yeah. a winner. Leave, leave okay. Uh, the end there. <laughs> I have a sixth bonus story, and it's very famous from the year, from the year 1942, and it's called the Battle of Los Angeles. And this is more or less a mm-hmm. summary that came out off of, uh, liveabout.com, a little article written in uh, May 24th of this year by Billy Booth, and I'll just read it verbatim, and 
basically chop it up into pieces so I can fit it in the air without wasting too much time. Okay. <laughs> it is very rare that among the annals of UFOlogy, there should appear a UFO case which involved military. Yet Did you say annals or annals? Annals. <laughs> okay. Yet it is accompanied by actual photographic proof. When I say annals, you'll know it. Let me tell you. <laughs> Such is the case of an event which took place over the Los Angeles area on February 25th, 1942. Easy for you to say. A giant UFO <laughs> would actually hover tongue. over the city. Yeah, Anal's got your tongue. A giant <laughs> UFO would actually hover over the city and be witnessed by hundreds of observers. Okay. As America was gathering its senses after the shocking attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941, there was a heightened feeling of insecurity and anxiousness. The skies were being watched as never before as a giant UFO moved through California, alerting the military and civilian watchers as well. This case is known as the Battle of Los Angeles and is one of the most important cases in UFOlogy. It would be early morning on February 2, 1942, when the incoming craft sirens were first heard in the Los Angeles area. Many Americans were expecting another wave of Japanese fighter planes and thought this is what they would see as they left their homes and ventured outside. How wrong they were. The first sightings of a large UFO would be made in Culver City and Santa Monica. Air raid wardens were ready to go at the first hint of an invasion, but this invasion would be something other than Japanese planes. The giant hovering object was soon lit up by the gigantic spotlights of the Army's 37th Coast Artillery Brigade. Everyone who looked up was shocked by the sight of the giant UFO sitting above their city. Military aircraft were sent to confront the object. Because of a well-organized alert system, the whole California southern section was searching the night skies in a matter of minutes. What they saw were beaming searchlights illuminating the night sky, all of them converging on a on a thing. <laughs> the thing converging on a thing, a UFO. Okay, once again, we have brilliant, brilliant writing. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not even going to stop. A similar scene would be repeated later during the Norwood searchlight incident, albeit on a smaller scale. The beams of light would soon be accompanied by tracer fire from anti-aircraft artillery, all of the rounds aiming at the large invading craft. The giant UFO would take direct hit after direct hit without any damage. The 37th Brigade was relentless in its attempt to bring down the large object, but found no success. The barrage of spent shells would fall over the entire area. No place was safe this night. Many were injured, and there were even reports of death from the falling shells. According to newspaper reports, eyewitnesses described the sight of the UFO like a surreal hanging magic lantern. As the large UFO moved into more lighted areas view of the object became better. It moved directly over the MGM studios in Culver City. Fortunately, an extremely good quality photograph was taken of the object, beams attached, tracer fire visible. This photograph has become a classic UFO photograph. UFO would soon move over Long Beach before disappearing altogether. I've heard of this this incident before. Uh, I Mm -hmm. knew, you know, as soon as we talked about this 
UFO show today, I knew that that was one I was going to talk about because it is freaky. Yeah. The military was trying to gun it down, and Ugh. it's just it's it smacks of the day the Earth stood still, the great movie. Uh, yeah, from the they 50s. were prepared for war. <laughs> yeah, ready to take oh, down yeah. those aliens. Yeah, Klaatu yeah. Barada Nikto, and nothing worked. So. Basically, uh, with that said, that's my last uh, scripted entry here. Um, I was going to say that the only other two times I've had personal experience um, with UFOs, once was in the uh, mid-'80s. I used to work for a, a city, a little municipality outside of Chicago, and there were times where we had to work nights. And uh, mm-hmm. one night I was working alone, yeah, probably three in the morning, you know. And mm-hmm. I, as I was working outside of my truck, and everything was black except for me doing my work in a spotlit area, and I just had this funny feeling, you know, the hair stood up on the back of my neck that I was being watched. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to jerk my head to the left as quick as I could to see what was going on. And just over this tree line, maybe 40 foot high, uh, I just saw this light that just disappeared going straight away from me, <laughs> like that thing did down uh, the road by the airport. It was gone in a flash, but there was something yeah. there. I saw mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and then I was creeped out because I was like the only person like awake at that <laughs> time in the morning. Yeah, I think that's the last thing I did that night. Then I went and had coffee the rest of the night, something like that. I was just kind of shaking. Stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one other incident (laughs) happened out here in New Mexico on the uh, Mescalero Apache Reservation. Uh, I was chopping wood one night for a wood-burning stove, and I had been living in this house for about, I don't know, two weeks or so. And, uh, I looked up in the sky and I saw this orange pencil eraser sized object glowing and it was probably maybe a couple thousand feet up in the sky moving along and there were like five I think smaller white lights chasing it in an arrowhead shape like a battle formation Mm -hmm. almost so they were chasing this thing and uh, it was pretty high in the sky. I mean, and I just kind of stood there for a second watching it, and it crossed the sky in a pretty big hurry. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the orange object glowed brighter, got a little bigger, and then just disappeared. <laughs> like back and off, I, and then it disappeared. Yeah, it was just like gone. <laughs> and then, yeah. like the other the other lights I saw slowed down considerably, mm-hmm. uh, and did their little U turn and probably headed back to the Air Force Base that's not too far away. And uh, yeah. it was very, very freaky, but didn't bother me. After the other things I'd seen, that was that was nothing. Uh, right. But it is weird. I've had four distinct times where I've seen aircraft. And, uh, that's cool. The one, time I, the one time at O'Hare, I do believe that that wasn't an alien ship. I believe that was some sort of Air Force aircraft, but I, I couldn't say for sure. It just looked like a nah. jet pilot. You know. <laughs> I can't That's drive while I'm drunk, but I'm going to do it anyways. It's my yeah. job. <laughs> well, you know, what else are you going to do in November in Chicago? Something's got to go. Nah. 
But that's all I got. That's it. Yeah. Good. I think uh, we should also cover in the future some, uh, like, alien abduction stories or actual alien sightings. There's tons that go around, and I think that would be a good uh, next chapter. Maybe not right after this episode. Make people wait a little bit. But uh, Mm. maybe in the future do, like, different theories on aliens, because they say there's, like, different types. There's the greys. There's ones that take on forms of people. There's reptilians, which I don't know if people Mm. consider those aliens, but some sort of reptile-like creature. Yeah, yeah, sort of demon. But that might be fun to go over to. Tie in yeah. nicely. And I would UFO suggest sighting. anyone out there that's really into UFOs, get yourself some uh, X-Files and start uh, watching that <laughs> on TV because they cover that, you know, extensively. That's a really good show. I need to go back and watch that. I love that when I was younger. Oh, yeah. and I just they, They've got well, newer X-Files. episodes out, too. Yeah cover everything Mm -hmm. creepy if you like creepy which you obviously do if you're listening to us watch the x-files they're amazing (laughs) we're creeps together Uh, word but anyways that's all we got for today yeah signing out (laughs) we hope you guys enjoyed and we will talk to you next time bye bye